There we are. Hey, oh, hi, everybody. It is, uh, what time is it? It is 3.04, 3.04 p.m. East Coast time here on the 19th day of October 2023. Time for episode 176 of my live chat. My name is Luke Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me. I greatly appreciate it. This won't be on the whole time, this ticker you're seeing below. It's just up right now. I'm just trying the feature out. I don't know if it's any good, but I'm trying it out. Uh, today, I'm sure we're going to get to UFC 294 stuff. I am sure. I am sure that there are plenty questions, plenty of questions, I should say, about the demise of Showtime. We'll talk about that, or I should say Showtime Boxing, Showtime Sports. I think Showtime as an entity is going to continue, just not on the sporting side. Um, I'll tell you what I can about that, or really whatever is on your mind. We go for an hour with the free questions after I put up the thread yesterday. You guys fill it up. You guys judge with your thumbs up which ones we get to. And then at the end, if you want to, you can leave a donation and put a question in there with it. You're certainly under zero obligation to do that, but if you want to, you can. Or you can become a second-tier member, and then you can really uh, just contribute without having to do anything else. Pretty great. Also, folks have asked, like, hey, are you going to do other things with the membership? Yes, we only rolled it out to get the process started. Uh, but I think one thing we're really going to start rolling out here, probably as soon as the fights on Saturday are over, uh, or at least sometime after the fights are over, I should say. they got to be careful about that. We're going to start just putting up uh, members-only videos. Right, so you can only see them if you're a member. Reactions, that kind of a thing, uh, uh, you know. Just but, but only like the jackets that your grandfather wears, members only. Okay, so you guys know the drill. We'll be doing this, as I mentioned, for about an hour. Then we'll get to the paid questions. But if you just want to be around here for free, that's cool too. Give me a thumbs up if you'd be so kind. And uh, yeah, support the channel. All right, very good. With that out of the way, let's get this party started, shall we? And we're back. All right, let me take off this ticker, which I know is probably killing some of y'all. Here we go. Done. Donezo with that. Um, okay, do I want to put a skin on? I don't know that I do. I think this is as high as my chair goes anyway. All right, let me scoot in here just a little bit then. Put this, push this back if we can a little bit. There we go. Ooh. Okay. Very good. Very good. Um, yes. Reef, the lost cause is alive if you're ever wondering what that stood for all right let's get this party started if we can here let me get this going with a couple of changes to the background so we don't look like complete goofballs um oh one last piece of housekeeping news or notes some of you had noted that the uh, the podcast for the last episode went up late it did yeah I actually had a funny email. Someone sent me an email being like, are you incompetent or should Othello be fired? And I was honestly like, probably both. Probably both is a fair way to put that. This one will go up on time. Um, I'm not going to give you some stupid excuse. It didn't go up on time last week. This one will. So sorry about that. All right. With that out of the way and the stupid preambles, let's get this party started. Shall we? Let me refresh this one so you get the most up-to-date questions. And then we shall go. Let's take a look. Oops. Hold on. Let me add that. There we are. All right. First things first. Let's go. All right, Luke, now that the Paramount Showtime Sports News is public information, would you be able to share an abbreviated timeline of how you initially found out how your producers and Showtime bosses informed you of what was potentially coming down the pipeline and how that affected you, NBC, and production as a whole? Yeah, it's been a... Uh, 
it's been a crazy year. Some of the things you guys have, we've kind of hinted about reacting to, some of it was this, but this isn't even all of it. There's actually, not that I'm telling you that there's more news coming down the line. I don't mean that way, but rather um, there's just other things that you guys don't even know about that also kind of impacted this past year. This was a big one. This was an enormous one, actually. Um, there's, listen, here, let me just be sort of, as, there's not a whole lot I can necessarily talk about or even should talk about. There is a story to be told here. I think in the appropriate time, the appropriate people will tell it. I think in due time, I'll be able to tell you my side of it. I don't think right now is necessarily the best time. What I can say is to answer the question, like, uh, how did you find out? We found out, we, we, we had, um, we had found out some time ago that this was certainly a potential. So we had some lead, a fair amount of, I would describe a fair amount of lead time knowing that that this was at least something that was being considered uh, again in terms of the finality of the decision that was actually handed down the same day to everybody so in terms of that we all found out at the same time but like knowing that this was uh in play you know i'm not going to say specifically but we definitely had a bit of a heads up in that way so bc and i have actually had a fair number of conversations about it privately about what it means and and what we want to do about it. Um, you know, can you share how your producers and bosses informed you and coming down the pipeline, how it affected UBC and MK's production as a whole? Um, some of that I just can't get to. I think the thing that I can say is just from an MK standpoint, um, BC and I are CBS employees that did contract work for Showtime. It, it's I know it's complicated. It really is. It's a very MK is very unusual. It's very unusual because it started out as just a Showtime thing, and then because Showtime and CBS were both owned by Paramount, CBS came along and worked out a deal with Showtime to make it basically a CBS and Showtime thing. I would remain a CBS employee. I would go full time with them. That's when I ultimately left SiriusXM. You guys remember that. And, um, and so there was basically joint custody of the property in different ways. And that has really changed over time. And then by January one, as you guys all now know, it will be a 100% of CBS sports property. So it's gone, it's, it's gone. It, it always had an unusual, uh, architecture and it had an unusual kind of ownership structure. Uh, uh, it's very, you don't, you just don't see projects like this. Um, and, and, and the way in which it was constructed. Um, so yeah, it'll be a CBS product basically going forward. Um, I can say that, you know, how it has affected a production as a whole. Yeah. I mean, you're just talking about different ways in which the different entities produce, um, you know, there's just any number of differences. I think you guys can pick up on some of those differences. If you just watch the shows, the ones that are. Uh, you know, for better or for worse, I mean, there's pluses and minuses in both directions, but they are uniquely different in that way. There's not a whole lot more I can say beyond that. If that kind of explains the structure, because folks are asking, like, oh, if Showtime Sports is going away, isn't all of MK going away? No, the custody now goes to fully CBS Sports. So, uh, in that sense, uh, the immediate change won't have an effect. Uh, at least not much of a... Well, it's not true. It'll have a big effect, uh, but... MK will continue, I think, is the best way to put that. Um, what else can I say that is helpful? Man, there's a lot more I'd like to say. There's a lot more I'd like to say. But 
you know, I, I will just tell you that the one thing I, I've been really thinking about is like when we got news some time ago that this was at least being considered, I sat there and I thought to myself, it's like, <laughs> you know, in February of this year, we were doing a sold out show in London on stage. And here we are now in October, and this is the current, like, Showtime Sports basically is going to cease to exist. And I got to tell you, of all the things that I thought were going to happen when I signed this deal back in, not July of 2019, I, I signed it during the pandemic. So I think I signed it in August of 2020. So when I signed this deal in August of 2020, it was a three-year deal that I signed with them, which was, they, believe me, let me tell you, they gave me a great deal. They gave me a great deal. I did not have Showtime Sports ceasing to exist uh, on the things that I was thinking about. I just didn't have it on there. I don't know who would have uh, back in 2020, of uh, August of 2020. Um, actually, Showtime and Showtime Sports actually did pretty well through the pandemic uh, in terms of their performance. So I want to say that, like, you know, I don't regret in any way signing that deal. It's one of the best deals I've ever signed. Um, I'm glad that there is an ownership structure that allows the show to continue, um, essentially. And I said it on yesterday's MK. It's one of the best jobs I've ever, if not the best job I've ever had. Um, getting to work with those people and the work that we were doing was fucking thrilling, man. It was just tremendous. But if we can speak to like the larger just media ecosystem as it stands today. And this isn't even really specific at all to Showtime. I think you're seeing it in a few different directions. Um, you know, legacy brands, I think, in general, in the media space, in the television and media space, just aren't going to hold as much um, tenure as you might imagine. I think with the way streaming is changing television and media rights are changing and Essentially, media consumption is changing. Media systems are changing. Legacy brands are in 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 a lot of different places. By the way, like think about we we all talk about HBO boxing and Showtime boxing, but just think about HBO, like Time Warner or whoever whoever the whatever the proper name is of whoever owns the Max app. Remember, they dropped the HBO name from it and just went Max. And of course, there's some good reasons for that inside the ecosystem, because once you go in, you can definitely get your own vertical of HBO content. It's still a name that matters. The point I'm sort of making here is that, you you know, they used to lead with that as like the brand differentiator, and then they dropped it. And it just sort of tells you like the role that legacy brands play in our current media system in a lot of different areas. Um, a lot of that is changing. A lot of that is really undergoing significant change, and I don't think that's in any way done. There's going to be a lot of different ways you're going to see this roll out forward. I'm, and I'm making a not a specific but a general prediction just based on the way the trends are currently going. So there's a lot more I'd like to say. There's a shitload more I'd like to say, but I don't think this, this juncture is the appropriate one. I just want to reiterate, Showtime, for, for anybody who says anything different out there, let me tell you exactly what the facts are. Showtime Boxing was a very successful property. It was enormously successful in 2023. And I, I hope everybody knows because the same meeting that BC and I had where we found out about this this being potentially something that could, could happen, uh, in that same meeting, the most important people that we've ever talked to in either of those companies told us that MK made money and was a successful property. I'm very proud about all of those things. So, you know, I want folks to be very clear. There are larger 
forces in play that are just changing the dynamics of what gets prioritized and what will matter for future audiences and for streaming and you name it. And there's a lot of upheaval in the industry more generally, I think, that is headed our way. Don't let anybody ever tell you that Showtime Boxing wasn't successful, that it wasn't successful in 2023, or that in particular to me and Brian Campbell, that MK wasn't. MK has overperformed, and I'm extremely proud of that. And uh, that's why it's going to continue. So there you go. I hope that helps a little. All right, let's go to this one. Let's see what we got here. Oh, Jesus, that's a long-ass question. Okay, let me get to what I can from it. There we are. Uh, Luke, while you're right, Volk doesn't have nothing to lose, right? Because there were folks very quickly who I saw saying, you know, Volk's got nothing to lose. And I'm like, dude, are you are you fully out of your mind? <laughs> like, you're taking a fight up a weight class on 12 days notice. There's not a lot of pressure on you in the sense that people are expecting your very, 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 very best. I mean, there will be some grading on a curve depending on what happens. That is true. And, as I mentioned, it doesn't in any way affect his 145 resume, since this has nothing to do with that division, which is about as pristine as it basically gets, right? So his stock is already very, very high. There are some ways he will get graded on a curve, depending on how it goes. 145 remains untouched. Completely fair. And I have seen folks say, hey, even with these circumstances, it actually made sense for Volkanovski to want to take this fight, even with the potential obstacles that this situation presents. I also agree. I completely agree. But just don't tell me he's not risking anything. He is. If you go and you lose to Makachev, and if in fact it is decisive, the 12-day thing is not going to matter. At age 35, it is going to be almost impossible to get another fight. Even if it's a close split decision, it might be very, very hard to get another, and nearly impossible to get another fight. Like For all intents and purposes, this is this is the probably the last shot to get champ champ status. And if you lose, and if you lose decisively because you just weren't ready for this opportunity, you had a bad game plan, the other person was much more ready, whatever the situation may be, uh, that will affect your legacy. Whether or not you, because it's one thing to be like, well, they didn't become a champ champ. Like Jose Aldo didn't have a ton of opportunities to fight at you know 155 for titles, right? I mean, there was the Anthony Pettis thing that kind of came along for a time. But, you know, that faded. But you get the idea. Like, there, there wasn't, like, he didn't contest over it for two different times. Volkanovsky will have had two opportunities. If he fails on both of them, that will absolutely affect his legacy. Like, this, the people pretending that it won't have an impact, of, of course it will. If you're measuring greatness and someone tried to go up a weight class and failed twice, even when we know the specifics might have been X or Y or Z or mitigating in some way, sorry, folks, that you, you don't get, there's no free ride here. You lose and you lose badly here. It will absolutely have an impact on the way folks uh, remember him and what his place in the sport may be. Conversely, if he wins, I mean, you know, he's off to the races at that point as one of the very best of all time. So big, a lot to win, definitely something to lose. All the things aforementioned. All right, let's see what this person has to say about that. Uh, okay. Uh, the reward still 10 times outweighs the risk. It's a little strong, but I can certainly see where you're coming from. If he loses, people will say short notice and praise his bravery, uh, even if his all-time resume takes a hit. Okay. If he wins, obviously the prize is big. The only thing he may be risking was a potential second fight with Islam where both had full camps. True. Well, a little more than that. But that was never guaranteed. Also true. 
to get the second 155 title shot, he may have to beat a top 55 like Dustin, given how 155 is never short of the challengers. If he loses at 145 to Teporia, 155 dreams are dead. I'm not so sure about that. If his main goal was the 155 belt, he should have vacated 145 to get a media rematch, but he didn't, blah, blah, blah. My question is, I think Volk trying to catch Islam off guard gives him a better chance at winning than both Islam Volk having full camps. No, I don't agree with that at all. There is a case we have seen. I was there when John Jones fought, for example, Ovin St. Peru on very short notice. I think that was like a week or whatever it was. And he kind of played it very safe and underperformed. Daniel Cormier has, I think, theorized that this was a time when John was perhaps not using performance-enhancing drugs. Whatever your particular theory, we have seen situations where someone was scheduled for a fight. They accepted another fight on short notice against an opponent that was perceived to be lesser than. And it was competitive and close jack de la madalena and then um the other gentleman's name um was it hafez i think I, I'll, I'll look it up but um who came in on short notice and really overperformed relative to expectations we see that all the time but this one's a little bit different because they already fought five rounds this is in that case a rematch you already have some experience with this opponent you are going to have a very hard time i mean just answer the question if you're volkanovsky what do you want this fight to be contested under in an ideal scenario? They're never going to pick 12 days. No team, no world-class team in their right fucking mind is going to pick 12 days. It might confer some surprise advantages if, in fact, for example, Volkanovski has to um, doesn't have a five-round gas tank and really wants to put an emphasis on the first three rounds and really push the pace and really up the the danger. You know, he, he said he has a kill or key, a kill or be killed mentality. You know, really court more danger in the process of of unleashing more, and that could have a positive effect. Remember, when you're talking about these changes in strategies and or changes in circumstances, changes which would be twelve days as opposed to twelve weeks and up a weight class as opposed to you know whatever. All of these things create a series of changes. And in some of those changes, there can be scenarios that work advantageously to Volkanovsky. That is true. But in the fuller picture of how those changes typically work out, they typically don't confer advantage. They can under certain circumstances. They typically do not. No world-class team is going to pick that, even though there have been some scenarios over time where these perceived limitations ended up serving in some kind of counterintuitive way as an advantage. But most of the time, they don't. And when I say most, I mean the vast majority, they don't. Volkanovsky is often the exception to that rule. We shall see. I do think he is a live dog. I do think he is very capable of winning. As of Wednesday's show, Kamaru Usman and... Volkanovsky were, in terms of the betting odds, similar level of underdog. I don't perceive that to be fair. I would actually say that I think Kamara's a little bit more up against it based on what we think we know. Of course, that could have all changed by Saturday. We'll see. But no, no. This is not in the fuller picture of what the math actually tells us in any way a superior uh, alternative um, to a full camp. A full camp in general and full preparation in general, even if both have it, um, is going to be a much better scenario for success. It just is. It just is. All right. Uh, someone asked, Luke, any chance that UNBC might be attending the PFL card in D.C. this November as either fans or media? 
If so, would doing a meet and greet with us DMV donks be on the table? There's no chance in hell BC goes, but I intend on going. So I will be there. I will probably go as media. Yeah, I'm not going to pay for a ticket. Uh, (laughs) I'll come to go as media. And um, I hadn't thought about doing a meet and greet, but it's certainly possible. It's possible. I don't really know what kind of response there would be for that. But uh, yeah. Maybe is the answer. Um, someone says, okay, I'll pull this one up. Luke is a basketball fan. fan. It seems pretty clear to me that in general, players today are far more skilled than players from the past. As a relatively new boxing fan, I'm curious to know, do you feel the same about boxers today? Not necessarily. Uh, I would ask... Uh, about MMA, but that seems pretty obvious given the relative youth of the sport. I mean, there might be a few differences. Um, basketball is better today. Well, I don't know how much more consumer-friendly it is now that everyone just shoots the three, but the players are better today because just the entire system has been much more, it's gone much more global, right? So now you have players from all over the world, so you're selecting better athletes, you're selecting people who have better natural aptitude, you have farm systems in all these places where you can identify and recruit and groom and then develop talent and then showcase it when you need to. You have much more professionalized systems in terms of analytics, in terms of coaching and rehabilitation and understanding the X's and O's of the game. So you have better athletes, better professional systems, much more money. It's globalized. There's a lot of good reasons why that's the case. Boxing is a little bit in a different place. Like, um, it might be more globalized now. I don't know enough about boxing history to say exactly how true or not true that is. Uh, but what I would say is, um, remember, they used to fight much more often. Much more often. Like, you know, you look at you look at um, records from guys who competed in the 70s and 80s, and they would have, you know, upwards of 50, 60, 70, sometimes over 100 fights. Now, that's a little bit on the rare side, that part, but... They were just regularly active, regularly out there getting in, and competing. And in addition to there being, you know, um, a much higher, I think at the time, participatory rate in the sport. Again, that's going to make a big difference both globally and domestically. The level of and the activity of, um, I think, really kept them sharp and really put a lot into focus. You, you see them compete much more um, infrequently these days. Now, partly that's related to brain health and some other things about the sport, but for all the changes made to basketball, it seems like there's been a different sort of peak or golden era of boxing and then kind of like a, a bit of a contraction since then. I will say that folks being like, oh, boxing is dying and where might PBC go? On some of these questions, your guess will be as good as mine. Boy, I would very much caution folks. I know that there's probably a lot of what the current news looks like as like uh, – you know, you had they had this great year, and yet Showtime Boxing is going to get the axe. Again, I'm going to say it one more time. It was a very successful property in 2023 by any metric. And I think it's extremely foolish. I mean, extremely foolish to think that, um, you know, I don't know what Al Heyman's got cooked up or what where PBC will end up. Again, truly, your guess is as good as mine, but I have a feeling it'd be very premature and stupid to think that there's that they're just going to like boxing's not going to have like this talent's not going to go anywhere and do stuff. I don't know where that's going to be, but 
it's a very a lot of people who are just letting you know what their priors are and their and their respective biases what they are by kind of letting you know well this is clear evidence that you know boxing's on the decline come on guy you don't know what the fuck you're talking about um back to this particular question there is at least something to be said for um a contraction in popularity, a contraction in activity. And when I say popularity, I mean like worldwide participatory rates, um, that kind of a thing. So there might be certain cases where there's been like real clear advancements in people's games. You got Boots Ennis, you know, fluent switch hitter. Um, but I feel like the golden era and the level of activity, the level of technical acumen, the level of sharpness, some of that has declined because there's fewer people doing it relative to what the peaks used to be, and there's less competition more, more um, uh, through a fighter's career, and they get less opportunity to stay sharp as a consequence. There's probably other factors that I'm in, very much leaving out. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I, there's, I, 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 there's only so much I can say and what I can't, but he, he, this person writes, um, is this what you guys meant by always hinting at how long you guys are going to do the show? Yes, of course. How long have you guys known about the cut from Showtime Boxing? Again, I've, I've already answered that part, but uh, yeah, we definitely had some gallows humor, you know, over the course of time just trying to deal with some of this. It has not been easy in part because there has been uh, great uncertainty without a resolution. Like, BC and I were kind of talking about it, and it was like, well, you know, at least we know. At least we know. At least there is, at least this matter has, on this particular regard, brought to brought to resolution. You have to kind of be happy about that. You now have something fixed in the universe that you can react to, and there was just long stretches where that just wasn't the case. And so we kind of engaged in gallows humor through the whole process. But I will tell you that, like, you know... Um, CBS has been uh, a, a, you know, a great partner to us, and uh, BC and I's attitude is we have shows to do, so we're just going to keep doing shows, you know. So we'll see how it goes. There's a lot, you know, that lies ahead that remains unknown to us all, quite quite truly. But yeah, did we engage in some gallows humor along the way? Of course we did. Of course we did. You know, that we were just we were just trying to deal with it as best we could. You know. Like, because again, I cannot overstate to you, like in the same meeting that BC and I had where we were made aware of some of these larger potential developments, we also were like, yeah, and by the way, you guys are killing it. We were like, well, this, how are we supposed to take this meeting? You know, it was a, it was a weird meeting, but um, that's the way the industry goes, man. It's a really, really, really strange, changing, undulating time for for media, for sports media, for sports, for consumer consumption habits. It's just so much is changing so quickly. It's a lot. It's a lot for everybody. Okay, I can only touch on this a little bit. I don't think it's wise for me to say a whole lot, in part because I don't know a whole lot. Uh, but this person asked, Luke, if you were to... This is, this is an easy answer. If you were uh, to, speaking strictly from a boxing fan's perspective, what network would you personally like to see PBC link up with that would make cross-promotional matchups uh, easier that you'd personally like to see? So if we're talking cross-promotional matchups, yeah, I mean, anywhere like an ESPN or DAZN where you already have another player, that would be helpful, I think. 
any any roadblock you're taking away uh, between promoters by having virtue of the same or by having the same network, that's really going to be your ideal scenario. Again, we go back to it. What is stopping the UFC from making a fight with PFL? It sure as hell isn't figuring out where the fight's going to air. They have the exact same, um, you know, broadcast partner. They have the exact same one. They could make that one instantly if they wanted to. They just don't want to. Uh, and again, we've all been over the reasons for it. So you could say, well, here's a case where they have that and then still did, you still didn't get the fight. Yes, there's no scenario short of like one entity just buying another where you're going to be able to get something like that. And I don't think that's on the table. I think PBC will remain whatever they do, independent of ownership of top rank or, you know, Golden Boy or whatever. That's, I don't, I mean, is anybody, yeah, that's not even on the table as far as I know. Um, but so you're, so, but it would help if there were some of these other things. I, I'll just say this. I'll tell you what I want. I want something that um, wherever they go, whatever it ends up, you know, I'm not asking them to do like Showtime 2.0. Like there is no such thing. You know, I don't mean that, but I mean like the kind of treatment, like the all access you got for pay-per-views. Whoever's going to do that, right? Um, the kind of thing where you know, they're trying to put on multiple super fights a year. Whoever is going to help them do that, right? Whoever, like if it's DAZN, great. If it's Amazon, great. Like whoever can put them in a position to make boxing interesting, fun, relevant, visible. I truly, that's the only thing. I, how could anybody else care about any anything but that? Right, that's the only thing that matters. So if that entity is Amazon, if Amazon for whatever reason can be that great if DAZN can be that if you know ESPN or whoever ends up doing this you know uh whoever's gonna put them in a position to do the kinds of things that Showtime Boxing did for boxing under its uh auspices you know and again credit to all the fighters for making the fights but you know what I mean having a television partner who can do those kinds of things Showtime Boxing was instrumental in 2023 in, in many of the biggest moments and in putting the kind of content around it that made it feel bigger, putting it the kind of media tours that stood out. You know, BC and I did the Tank and Ryan media tour. We did the Charlo and Canelo media tour. We did the Spence and Crawford media tour, at least on the uh, on the New York side of it. Ariel Helwani as well. These kinds of things, that whoever's going to do that, who may the best man win. Seriously, that's the only thing I want for that. Uh, and it's the only thing boxing deserves. Boxing deserves uh, uh, whoever, which one of these broadcast partners is going to be that will put that kind of, you know, white glove treatment on it. Um, so I don't have a preference to be perfect. I, I genuinely don't have a preference, nor do I have any fucking idea how this is going to go. But what I can say is give it to, I hope the person or the entity that ends up with it is really the kind that gives a fuck. You know, that's, and that's what you want. Imagine if you were an MMA fan, you know, and the UFC were trying to figure out where they were going to go. What would you want for UFC? Very simply, you would want to go someplace where they're going to matter in the bigger picture, where they can be visible, where there's content that goes around it that makes it stand out, that is easy to access, that is, you know, all the things you might care about in a streaming pay-per-view combat sports kind of world. That's it. That's what you want. That's that's what you want. You want that. You want someone to give a fuck.
All right, let's see if we got... Uh, damn. Uh, I'm not sure how much more we can really get into this. Um, can you shed any more light in the last few months have been like... Yeah, they've been hard. They've been real hard. Uh, but I've kind of been over this. They have not been easy. The uncertainty has been difficult. It's been very, very difficult, you know. Um, I've had a lot of sleepless nights. A lot of sleepless nights. But, 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 I want you guys to know, very simply... BC and I are confident. That's not a lie. BC and I are, are confident. We we are full steam ahead. And we're lucky to be in the position that we're in. So even though Showtime Sports goes away uh, January 1st, MK does not. MK just moves under the CBS umbrella and pushes forward. And that's really what we have planned. So, um you know, there's a lot more to it than just that, but I really, really hope that you guys understand the train does not stop. It does not stop. It keeps going here. But yeah, has it been fun? No, it's been it's been not very fun. It's been not very fun. And again, one more time, like there were times I reflected, like, man, should I have seen this coming? And there was just no way. There was just no way I could have seen it coming. Like in August of 2020, if you had been offered a full-time deal with CBS Sports, with Showtime Sports, you know, largely producing this big feature that now two companies are putting resources in. You've got Bellator rights. You've got Showtime Boxing, which has been around for nearly 40 years. And they get all the things they're going to do for us. They're going to put you in all these digital assets. They're going to put you on paper or send you to pay-per-views. By the way, we were on the Charlo pay-per-view. And they're going to produce this. And they're going to give you a set. And all the things that they give us. Dude, like... That was a great deal. <laughs> that was a great deal. Like, I was very happy to sign that deal. I celebrated signing that deal. I went out with my wife and a friend. Like, we got drinks that day. It was a big deal. That was a big deal. Uh, or, no, he came over because that was still later at that time. But, and it, whatever. Uh, that was a, dude, it was a sick, that was the best deal I'd ever been offered. So, like, I'm insanely grateful to Showtime. And I'm insanely grateful to MK. The uncertainty of what has happened in a picture beyond the people who took care of me. What can they do? Like these, everyone, everyone was doing and is doing their best, you know. So I just think I had an opportunity. I got offered a great deal. I'm extremely glad I signed it. It was transformative in my career, and I don't know exactly everything that's about to happen next. I don't think anyone in the industry really does. Uh, just given the craziness and the uncertainty, but I'm trying to surf the waves as best as I can, as best I can. Excuse me. And I, I'm, you know, it's going to take work, but I'm pretty confident. I think we're going to be okay, you know. So steady as she goes. Oh, any particular moments that stand out from your time working with him? Yeah, dude. I, you just, um, you know, both of these entities have taken really good care of me and Brian in different ways. They do different things for us, obviously, as I kind of indicated. It's very complicated and. We're not going to get into it, but man, let me just explain something to you. You know, Showtime's going away, but if you ever get a chance to work for the people who currently work at Showtime, you should do that. You should do that. It's, I just cannot overstate to you how great it's been. How phenomenal it's been. It's been the thrill of a lifetime. It's been, it's really been that much. They make you feel like a million bucks. They, they kept every promise they ever made me times a million. There was nothing that they promised me that did not, they did not actively do. Uh, 
the hi- the highlights were. I remember the fr- I still have it. I got the first check that I ever got from them. It says Showtime Sports on the top of it. I kept it. You know, um, working that Charlo pay per view. The double header was great. You know, getting to be on pay per view. What my favorite rapper at the time wrote me and told me he saw me, which was like a fucking blew my mind. You know, um, I could go on. You know, getting to interview all of the biggest names. From, uh, getting you know I got Tank Davis and Bud Crawford and Canelo and you know uh, getting an opportunity to make uh, uh, an effort into boxing which has been just for my soul very good um, boxing and MMA have some real differences for better in certain cases for worse in other ones again everything comes with a trade off and positives and negatives one is not inherently superior to the other in terms of like how the industry's you know um how 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 much I enjoy working in the industries, but um, dude, working for Showtime was a dream, and is a dream. It's a dream, man. Like, do you see why people stay there for as long as they do? Why the fuck would you leave? <laughs> why would you leave? Like, the pay is competitive. The treatment is first class. The work is relevant. Like, what else are you trying to do? Like, that's that's that's. That's the dream. That's the gig right there. So, you know, what can I do? It's coming to an end. But uh, I'm, I, I just, yeah. Did I have moments of despair and uncertainty? Of course I did. Um, as I mentioned, it led to a lot of sleepless nights that were not easy to deal with. But I cannot overstate this. BC and I have talked, you know, I... I think most times he wants to kill me, but we're for, in terms of MK, we we've got a we've got a you know uh, we've got a certain mentality now about just full steam ahead, and we plan to execute. So please join us. Oh, someone says, can you let us know if MK is done at the end of the year? No, MK is not in any way done at the end of the year. No, not at all. Not at all. All right. Oh, is this the dude who uh, is like who saw people kissing and got all bitter on the escalators? I was waiting for you guys to finish the rest of the two ninety four preview, but there's been no talk of Shara Magomedov. However, he's the guy that's got the Biggie Smalls eye. He's got the one here and then the one going off. Should this be higher on the card? Was the UFC keeping under wraps for a major surprise element? Oh yes, this is also the gentleman that tapped at a grappling tournament lost and then tried to get up and strike and i think did strike his opponent he seems like a real piece of work so um he does seem talented i think the hype is a little bit further along than the actual ability is let me pull up his real name here for just a second uh he's got some kind of uh not unpronounceable name but you know i'll pull up his name here and i'll show you a picture of this gentleman uh here we go one second. Oh, Jesus Christ. Let's go. Hold on one second here. Pull this up. Okay. Now we got it. All right. So this gentleman's name is... Shara uh, uh, Butdin Magomedov. Yes, he's 11-0. I will show you a picture of him. Is this guy. Here, let's pull this up. But he is a piece of work. 
He doesn't seem like uh, the most awesome dude to party with, if I could uh, put it that way. Um, yeah, this is him. Here, take a look. Oh, Jesus Christ, I'm in the way. Uh, but you can see these pictures over here of this dude. But he's been involved in a number of incidents, again, hitting his grappling opponent. And, uh, you know, there was just a couple sh doing, I mean, you know, very basic PDA public displays of affection and he wanted to fight the guy it's like dude get the fuck over yourself please 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 guy you got other shit to worry about leave these people alone for the love of god all right luke did you see alex the terrible the vocalist for slaughter to prevail had a bare knuckle fight he actually looked pretty good have you guys seen slaughter to prevail do you guys know them slaughter to prevail is a russian band death metal band like deathcore I'm not sure what the full-on labeling is. Um, the The rest of the band mostly wears devil masks. Kind of like horn devil masks. Not quite devil, but like monster devil. I don't know how to explain it exactly. I'll show you a picture. Uh, and they play some brutal, yelly music. Um, that's a thing that they do. They are... There's, there's some yellers. There's some yellers. This is Alex the Terrible. Let me see if I can pull this up in a way where you guys can see. Yeah, this is him. <laughs> That's him making angry faces right here. And this is the band. And they wear these masks. Now, not all of them, not all the time. Uh, but, yeah. And they sing in either English or Russian. And the lead singer, Alex the Terrible, covered head to toes in tattoos. Looks like he's in very good shape. And I guess he fights bare knuckle, which is... Uh, a little disturbing, if I can be honest. But their music is sometimes good for working out. What's the song that I like? Um, Bratva. You guys ever heard Bratva? Shit, bro. It'll get you going. It'll get you going. I'll put it that way. All right, here we go. Uh, Luke, you talked about how MMA would move to a boxing model for mandatory system if the Ali Act was extended. You've highlighted some of the benefits. I would say it would be regularly... Excuse me. I would say it would be highly dependent on which of the built organizations you'd be referring to. For example, the IBF is quite stringent with its mandatory status. I also think the champion in Medita in Meritus was a useful title feature for the WC. But on the other hand, the WBC is notoriously notorious with enforcing mandatories. For example, Deontay Wilder didn't face his mandatory for more than a thousand days. Excuse me. And Adonis Stevenson avoided his mandatories for five. That's true. I want to ask if MMA adopted such a system, how could MMA have a built organization? more similar to the IBF than WBC. I don't know if there's any kind of mechanism that could enforce that. You would kind of be at the mercy of who would be putting together the sanctioning bodies to a degree. Um, so, right, I mean, part of how this works is that I'm told like all the boxers really want the WBC green belt. It is seen as in many ways somehow the most authoritative belt or the most valuable, the most prized one, which gives the WBC some out, uh, over, not overstated, but much more visible relevance and a little bit more leverage to play with, whether it's sanctioning fees or what they in fact can or can't do in terms of enforcing mandatory stripping. And they're inconsistent with it as well. Listen, guys, the sanctioning bodies have any number of problems. Like there are plenty of problems with the mandatory system, but it's not nearly as bad as folks want to make it out to be. Boxing fans who are like hardened and crusted over will tell you that it's the scourge of earth. Uh, but there are multiple cases per year where you can see the mandatory system 
in in not necessarily one sanctioning body or the other, but sort of working its way through boxing, where you can see it actually has a pretty good effect. Also, it can be one where there's, you know, Avni Yildirim didn't need to fight Canelo Alvarez, but it allowed Canelo to take a fight at a place he ordinarily wouldn't on a schedule that he wouldn't necessarily keep to be more of a public figure. Like, those things are pretty good, too. Um, it would really... It, much like the rest of the industry, we would be at the mercy of who volunteers to work in these roles and what kind of relevance they're able to get as a consequence. So this is the thing you just kind of have to wrap your head around. I was ta- I've been talking with people all the time about how what a more equitable sport might look like. And one thing you keep coming back to are these consumer fears that it's going to look and feel less consumer friendly than what they are accustomed to getting now. I think some of that is wrong, but a lot of that is actually probably right. There probably are a lot of ways that easy access and consistent content is generated for you to enjoy Saturday after Saturday based on the way the industry is currently controlled. I am not promising anybody that if they went to the Ali Act model, it would be as simple and as easy as it has been. I don't think that it would be. The sport could be costlier. You may not get um, exactly the consistent level of matchmaking or just you know relevant events that you want or pick anything else you don't like about boxing. You might get some of that as well. I don't think you get all the same things. There are just different realities to the sport. I mean, there's different mechanisms that make it work, but for sure, you would get some of that. A lot of consumers are going to look at that and they're going to say, I don't want that because it's not better for me. And I really understand that to a degree, although I would say over time, monopolies aren't really known for delivering on um, consumer expectations. They're much more known for like once they've reached terminal control of the industry, they're much more known for just extracting wealth internally rather than like developing new products. But okay, putting that one aside, the thing I keep coming back to is I don't think a lot of fans, which I consider myself one, I don't think a lot of fans feel the way that I do, but I will just be honest with you. I don't need to have consistent, stable, not stable. I don't need to have consistent access and this avalanche of content from one promoter in the way that we do now in MMA in order to be satisfied. It's not to say I don't want to see fights every weekend. I don't need the industry to satisfy me so automatically. If certain fights take longer to get made, it's going to sound crazy to you, but believe it or not, I'm actually okay with it. It should be hard to get guys to sign up for brain damage by other people who are very good at delivering it. That's not a thing that should be easy. That should be hard to do. Um, So I'm not making to you a convincing argument about why it's good for you. Most of the time, anyway. In certain cases, yes, it can be. In certain cases, it's not going to be at all. What I'm trying to tell you is, at some point, I think if you're an adult, you need to think about the things that you enjoy and the things that you consume and whether or not what is presented to you uh, and what you're enjoying. Are you enjoying it in the way that you are enjoying it because the method by which it's given to you is either somewhat morally complicated, unethical, or otherwise deeply unfair. Like I see people all the time being like, yo, I went to uh, H&M and I got really cheap clothes. Yeah, because there's someone in Bangladesh who's nine who made that for like dirt cheap fucking shit. That's why. 
Like, do you think that H and M just has a business model where, like, oh yeah, we'll just charge less? <laughs> like, like there's, in the words of uh, economics, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Like, the idea that you can just go to your store and there's always going to be, um, you know, fresh chicken butchered and fresh meat butchered and everything else on the grand kind of scale in which we enjoy it. Just matter of fact, here in the United States, but you could pick any place, well, not any place, but let's just talk about it here, right? That doesn't happen without factory farming, and factory farming is an absolute moral atrocity, like period. There's no defense of more for, uh, factory farming other than you can say, and this is what consumers do say when they're polled about it. You know what I like about this? It's it's easy for me. I can go to the grocery store. I can feed my family for relatively cheap. These are the things that they think about. But I think someone who actually is an adult. And not everyone is, but if you're an adult and you don't have even the basic moral decency and ethical decency to ask, is what I'm getting in the way that I'm getting it, like, is this a good thing the way that I'm getting it? Maybe you decide that it is, in which case, go on about your life. But there's been a few times in my life where I've had to stop and ask that question, and I don't have, a, I mean, I just bought an iPhone. Like, do I imagine that Apple, you know, made this with the most ethical, uh, considerations in mind i don't we are and here's the complete contradiction in the whole thing we are locked into a global supply chain that makes divorcing yourself from all these equations impossible impossible or virtually impossible anyway so all of us are guilty but if you can actually plan something and you actually can do it meaningfully and relatively not easily but if you can implement these changes and if you can actually ask and like there's things that you can do and you actually are thinking about the implications of how something is brought to you, um, I, I think you should wrestle with those questions. You know, so everyone wants it to be like, oh, how's this change if it comes going to be good for me? I'm not, you know, in the way in which you t have enjoyed it, I don't know that it will be. I don't know that it will be. The question is... Um, is that the way in which you're enjoying it sustainable and what makes it sustainable? And if fighters have to, if it means not having what I would consider a basic level of fairness or protection in order to satiate, you know, really, I won't say avarice, but aggressive consumer demand, I think you should think about that a little bit, you know? All right. Uh, Luke, like everyone, I'm bummed about the Showtime news. We'll never forget Hagler versus Mugabe. As a viewer, do you have any preference? Yeah, we've kind of been over this one a million times. There you go. Uh, let's see. What's up with Ali? I did not see this. Okay, here we go. Or maybe I did. Luke, uh, Ali Abdelaziz stated confidently in his recent Okamoto interview that if Makachev wins... Gaethje would fight him for the title before Ramadan. Is this empty talk, or do you think he leveraged his position as Makachev and Usman's manager to demand the Gaethje fight as part of a package deal, or at least request it as a favor for accepting two short-notice main event fights? Would be would doing so be illegal? I don't think so. Or unethical from a client's best interest? Well, if he's getting his fighters title fights, I don't think that... I'm not sure I understand what the difference would be. Is there any further stipulations could hurt Makachev Usman's negotiations for a higher payday? Or could he argue this is a trade-off for his clients to enjoy the benefit of his collective bargaining power that comes from representing a large clientele? I think in this particular case, um, 
if I mean, it's not a coincidence that the two guys who filled in, right? Well, no, Volkanovsky filled in, so that's not quite right. But um, in the particular case of Usman, Usman is represented by Ali. So uh, I think him filling in, I mean, listen, these guys probably got paid a good amount to fill in and they're getting rewarded with a title shot, at least in that co-main event. And obviously you know the story with the main event. He's pursuing, he's pushing Gaethje because Gaethje is his client, right? I mean, that's what you would want in this particular, again, I know that there is a lot of uh, reporting already out there on uh, Ali's managerial history and or um, practices. I encourage folks to read them, make their own judgments about it. In this particular case, flexing for his clients in the way that he's doing it, for Gaethje anyway, I mean, it would make sense that you would want Gaethje to go next, especially if Ramadan is going to have some kind of an effect or, um, you know, to, at a bare minimum, to push Charles out of the picture. Like, you, you would want your manager to advocate for that, especially coming off that BMF win over Dustin Poirier. Your question was to demand the Gaethje fight as part of a package deal. Like, would doing so be client's best interest standpoint since further stipulations it would all depend on what the offer was if they were again this would be true of any manager and we've seen some managers do this if they're subject if they're pushing down one of their clients interests to promote another one actively and on purpose then that's the very definition of conflict of interest but i don't know that the scenario you've posited here necessarily gets us there so it would depend on what any manager was offering, but that's what you'd be looking for is if one was being hurt in order to promote the other. Uh, I don't I don't see it in this case, but let's just see what happens. Luke, I was very impressed with Joe Pfeiffer's recent performance. His athletic profile and physical approach reminded me of a young Chris Weidman with himself, Chimaev, and Bo Nickel emerging in the middleweight division. Do you think this might be revitalized interest in a division that is perceived to be struggling in recent years? Right, so part of the reason why it struggled, and this is changing now, but part of the reason why it struggled is because Izzy kicked everybody's ass for a long time. That happens every single time you get a dominant figure in there. You get a dominant figure in a, in a division that beats the shit out of everyone, has multiple title defenses, you know, especially in the case of him where he, you know, marches to the beat of his own drum and doesn't quite work with the fan base at times. Uh, but Izzy basically kicked the shit out of everyone for a long time, and then everyone decided the division was bad. Now, of course, it has languished under, um, you know, this, there hasn't been enough turnover to the division to really revitalize it, but it does appear that what you're talking about, this Pfeiffer, Bo Nickel, Chemayev, and there could be some other ones along the way, they need to push out the old guard, and they haven't done that yet. But I will tell you that like part of the reason why I languished is because Izzy made it languish. Um, and I, I get that there are structural reasons why 185 is relatively weak compared to 170. I don't dispute any of those things. I understand that. But at the same time, every single time someone goes in there and does this to a division, there are just there's just moaning and belly aching about how the division has um, you know languished. Yeah, good question, I think. We've talked about this previously. Luke, I was curious in your thoughts about Rogan's theory that MMA would best be fought in a large area like a basketball court with no cage or ropes around it. Yeah, I hate this idea. I don't agree with that at all. There's no such thing as a real fight. I know that this is like a thing that's very hard to wrap your head around. There is no such thing as a real fight. I'm going to say it one more time, and I hope everybody hears me very clearly. There is no such thing as a real fight. This, these are just words that don't mean much, right? There are just... 
fights that have different kinds of consequences, that have different kinds of conditions. Some are more serious. There could be ways to categorize them. I'm not telling you that there's no taxonomy in the what are different kinds of fights. That is true, but there's no such thing as a real one. Any fight is as real as the next one, but they just carry different rules, different consequences, different timelines, different setups, you name it. So this idea that like, what we would really need would be this large fighting service that you couldn't artificially use a wall, a cage, a fence, ropes, whatever. Yes, is it is are these things artificially introduced as a cage in any way real? No, these things are of course are all are artificially induced. So is a fucking giant open field where there's nothing to lean upon because I'm going to say it one more time, there is no such thing as a real fight. There are just different kinds of them with different implications, different uh, levels of seriousness, different number of people, different rules, different rules of engagement, you name it. But one is not more real than the other one, such as people want to say, like there's a true authentic version of fighting. That's just bullshit. That's not true. That's just things that people say. So it's not to say that you might not get interesting results doing it this way, I tend to think that you wouldn't. I tend to think it'd be a giant waste of time. I actually think that the cage forces more than it doesn't action. Uh, but, and I realize you can use the cage to stall too. That can happen. But in general, I think the way in which it shapes fights, it makes it better. But this notion that really undergirds it is that, oh yeah, there's such thing as a real fight. And what we want to do is get closer to that. That's not a thing. That, that's not a thing. It's not a thing that exists. What is the, by all means, somebody please tell me what the definition of a real fight would be and like why that would be the real versus the non-real and what it would mean to be, you know, some halfway version of that. Is it halfway real? There's, these, these are just not things. These are, these are, this is not a legitimate way to classify anything um, as like a, a, a function of being genuinely something closer to its own essence. That's not real. That's not real. If you want to make the consequences more dire, you can say that. Hey, fight to the death. That's, I mean, that's real as shit, you know. But, like, what's the UFC's what's the UFC's slogan? As real as it gets. And yet, what he's proposing is the opposite. I understand that's just corporate marketing. I get that. But I'm just pointing out to you this, this notion of, like, there's this whole thing in fighting about getting to the essence of, like, what's really what's at this core what this is. And, um... There's no there there. There is no core of what there is. It's just a different way in which to scale and implement and use this activity uh, in a way that is legal, reproducible, um, that kind of a thing. But, but not having walls or not having time limits, these are not more real. These are just different ways of doing it. Oh, well, in the street... You know, there wouldn't be time limits and you wouldn't have it. First of all, in the street, there could be broken glass on the ground. It's going to be either grass or dirt or cement in all likelihood. There could be other people. There could be bottles. There could be, um, this could be uh, two people. It could be one. It could be male. It could be female. You could be drunk. You could be not. Those, none of those things make it more real than anything else. It just makes it, uh, it, it just serves in what other kind of different classification you want to have. But none of them, Whatever classification you might have, weapons, length of time, you know, number of opponents, consequences, blah, blah, blah. None of these things are a function of whether or not the fight is close to being the genuine essence of itself. These are, you know, 
we all love Joe, but th- these are, you know, farting and just sniffing it. There's, there's no there there with this particular critique. Um, this is one of my least favorite opinions that he has. Um, and I wish we had an opportunity when I was on to discuss it because this is just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> there's nothing to this at, at all. There's absolutely not a thing to this whatsoever. If you want to see fights done in that way because you feel like you'd get a more satisfying conclusion, by all means, do it, I guess, you know, in a whatever way is legal. That's okay. I'm okay with that. But whatever you end up with is just as manufactured as what you're claiming this alternative actually is. So just understand what the mechanics are here. Yes, for the love of God, Luke, could you please tell me that morning combat will continue to exist? Yes. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. Okay, here we go. Great question. I'm glad you asked this one. Jesus. Hey, guys, let me just make a point here. You see how long this question is? Please don't do that. (laughs) Please don't do that. I appreciate the participation. Don't misunderstand me. But let's get these condensed. Yeah? All right. Uh, okay, on yesterday's MK, you talked about the dislike towards Islam. Not for me, but from everybody else. And someone who doesn't hate, but certainly does not love him. Here are my reasons, followed by question. He talks a ton about money not being a factor. Okay, that's all just bullshit, we know. Same as Habib, he talks about humility all the time, and yet constantly calls himself the greatest. Okay, fine. He is, I mean, every fighter does this. I want you to be, or most of them do that anyway. Like, they have complete contradictions about the humility of being a great student and also their place in the sport. So he's utterly like the uh, everybody else in that regard. Three, he is not very active. That's true. And then when Volk steps up, he's like, he says, make no excuses. Easy for him to say as someone who typically only fights in perfect conditions, RDA, short notice, no fights. Some of that is fair. Um, my question, if Islam beats Volk and then beats Leon Colby, could he threaten a triple shot at Strickland? I don't think so. I think the timing is perfect as the middleweight champ could be a small 185-er, and I'd like his chances against either of them. Love the content. My best read on this, having asked folks what their take was, because it didn't quite occur to me. Again, some folks brought up the Kadyrov stuff, but, you know, again, it's like, oh, well, this guy was a wife beater. Well, in MMA, I'll just tell you, the community will be like, that wife beater is bad, but that wife beater is good. Like, (laughs) there's complete selective outrage. I'm not saying Islam is. That's not my point. But, like, you know, with the Kadyrov stuff. And, again, we all know the story. How much choice do they have? It's really unclear. I, I understand. I'm not trying to rehash the debate. But, like, people being like, oh, well, he likes Kadyrov. Yeah, but there's other dudes who like Kadyrov, and y'all just let them skate. That take money from them, and y'all just let them skate. So, it's, I got to tell you, I understand people who have a, a consistent objection to that. But for the folks who just want to trot it out for Islam, you know. I don't know what you want me to do with that. It's completely insincere criticism. So that's one. Um, I will say that there are people who fetishize um, Brazilian fighters who are from the Amazon or they fetishize um, Russian fighters from like the mountains. You know, they turn them into these like caricature version of themselves where they're like superheroes and their fan bases that rally in service of these caricatures are very annoying. I saw folks point that out. That is true. I can understand that one as well. I get it. The biggest one that makes sense to me is that, like, kind of like he did had a relatively easy run to the title. Now, he beat Volk. I, I went back and I watched that fight. He beat Volk 4-1. to one. I mean, this idea that there's three rounds for Volkanovsky is fucking lunacy. 
there are not three rounds for him in that fight. There might be three rounds for him on Saturday. I'm not saying he can't get it done. In fact, I think his chances are pretty decent, all things being what they are. But he didn't win three rounds. Two rounds would be generous. Um, so, no. So, to me, that's 4-1 Volkanovski the first time. 4-1, excuse me, Makachev the first time. And um, so, you put that in the Charles win together. It's pretty fucking elite wins. But there are people being like, oh, well, he was kind of like this, you know, Habib propped him up. And he kind of had an easy run. And Habib was kind of funny. And he's just boring. I get all of that. I sort of, I sort of get all that. But it doesn't, to me, equal the kind of thing that it's so weird to me. Like all over Twitter is like this super pro Volkanovsky stuff. And it's all to me really Johnny come lately. It didn't really happen until the last few fights. Like when he was fighting Aldo, it was fuck him. And when he was fighting Max, even the first and second time it was fuck him. It was really only after like UFC 276 that people started to come around. And in an, again, he performed well in that fight. He performed really well at UFC 284 and so now it's like here that he's finally reached 35. They're putting up like, oh, we, all the home, I've seen all the memes. Like all the homies want Volkanovski to win. My rule is always the same. May the best man win, whether that's him or it's somebody else. But there's like this weird Johnny-come-lately pro-Volkanovski thing that I think is turning into, it's like metastasizing into an anti-Islam thing for some of the valid reasons, some of the bullshit reasons. And... Um, Again, I get fans are going to like or dislike, and media members too, like or dislike who they, who, you know, it's going to be inconsistent and, um, you know, it may or may not follow your particular likes or dislikes, but a little bit of it seems artificial to me um, and kind of like weakly manufactured. I, I don't, I don't really believe that it's like a genuine, this guy has done something to us. He's just a little bit boring on the mic relative to Habib. He did have a nice setup. He did not have a thorough run to the title. The last two wins have been pretty fucking good, but okay, you know, I understand that there's a bigger picture in play. And, uh, you know, he hangs out with some unsavory characters, but, like, this is the reason <laughs> I see him getting pounded on MMA Twitter? I'm not so sure about that. All right, um, with that in mind, let's see what you got for the paid questions. Again, if you don't want to contribute to this side, that's okay. That's okay. You don't have to. I'm just glad you're here. All right? Very good. Let's see what we have here. Let's see. We got a new member in Welchie. There we go, Welchie. Thank you. New member in, in Guy J178. Thank you. New member in Saul Alfaro. Thank you, Saul. In Lydian84. Got a new member. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I appreciate you. All right, here we go. So glad MK is staying. I've been watching since Ep1. Thanks, man. And it's by far the best sports podcast out there, despite losing some interest in MMA due to the retrograde views permeating the sport. I've still made sure to watch MK. Yeah, I don't know how you watch uh, MMA without exposure to that, but we try to remain we try to remain sane. We try. Luke, did you ever figure out what specifically Josh Barnett is salty with you over? I have not. Seems weird that you'd have been on USADA's side during any part of his issues with them in the past. Man, it's this, it's, you know, I, I, I wrote it to him. Uh, it was, you know, if there are some examples you can show me um, where I did this, th the things that he thought I did, I'd be happy to take a look. I have not, I have not seen anything. Um, and then everything that everyone else was able to find was affirmatively me in his favor. I, I, there probably is something that I said uh, uh, outside of this issue that maybe he did not like. I mean, that would be... That would not be in any way um, uh, an unfair speculation. I'm, this happens routinely in the business that I'm in. You're going to say things that 
the various subjects about what you're saying them are not going to like. They may see the reasons as fair or unfair. Um, this I always have the same rule, like, you know, guys, I probably, I know for a fact I've made many mistakes during the course of my career. I had unfair coverage, but I can't react to it if it's not shown to me what the what the example is. I don't I don't have any way to um, meaningfully deal with that. So it's you know, Brian uh, Stan and I had issues, and I I know specifically uh, what he was uh, upset about. He was right. He was right. I had made a mistake. This was a long time ago, um, very long time ago, and I had to apologize to him, and I did. You know, so I'm not above it, like. Guys, I don't. I'm not. I don't walk around under the pretense that uh, everything I've ever said has been correct or good or righteous or fair. I don't. I don't. I know that's not true. But um, on this particular issue, I just don't. I don't have anything to react to uh, other than what people have found, and that has been affirmatively uh, me arguing in Josh's favor. So I'm. You know. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Uh, Michael asks, Luke, how conflicted are you that your favorite fighter in Volk has to go up against your favorite stat in the 35 or older? Well, remember, guys, the stat isn't ironclad. And by the way, thank you for the uh, donation, Michael. Michael, just remember, the stat isn't ironclad. We've already seen it broken twice. Now, it was the same guy, and one of those was also against a guy older than 35. But it's been done. It's been done. So it's not one of these things where it's like no one's ever done it. Someone's done it. And if that means if someone else has done it, in all likelihood, eventually, someone else is going to do it. And you would imagine Volkanovsky could be that guy. So my view on the situation is, yeah, it could be true, you know, that the, the, the stat kind of holds. But if anybody is a good candidate to break it, it's got to be this guy, right? So I, I don't look at that stat as anything other than like, man... You know, Volkanovsky, if anything, is going to be the exception that proves the rule, not the other way around, you know, so I don't. It's not like other fights where the guy's like 37, he's like, yeah, I'm going to buck this trend, and I'm like, yeah, you're not. But this is a case where, ah, uh, there might be, was it 2 and 28 or 2 and whatever it is, 2 and 30? This might, this, this might be the day where it becomes 3, you know? Uh, Lydia writes, you've mentioned how accomplished your siblings are. Curious if you had any issues feeling like you were in their shadow, and if so, how you got past that. Maybe growing up or whatever, but uh, no, I don't think so. Um, uh, in high school, my brother was a hard act to follow. He was two years ahead of me and uh, just beat the shit out of every standardized test they put in his way. Um, <laughs> like, like it was nothing. And he had really good grades, like stayed out of trouble smashed it on the SAT, smashed it on the AP exam, smashed it on the PSAT, smashed it on, I mean, just smashed everything. And so then it's like, it's your turn. You know, how are you going to do? So in the end, I actually did pretty well. But uh, fuck, man, that was a hard act to follow. That was a hard act to follow. But other than that, no. Um, Elijah asks, Luke, what is your favorite Pogues album? I actually don't know. That's a, I've never thought about that. Um, God, good question. Let me see. Favorite Pogues album. I've never even thought about that question. All right, here we go. Albums. Oh. Good Lord, they've got so many. Honestly, that's a really great question. I don't have a good answer for you. Um, (laughs) 
I don't know. I don't know. It's really very fair. I've never put two thoughts about it together. I've kind of been like more of a Pogue's best hits kind of guy. Um, so I don't have a great answer for you, unfortunately. Uh, thank you to Tony for becoming a member. Thank you to Ian for becoming a member. Thank you to Ian again for becoming a member. Uh, Lee asks, with Floyd Mayweather allegedly applying for his boxing license, who would you like to see him fight? Could you imagine him fighting Bud Crawford? No, fuck no. And how that would go. Bud would tune him up and how many pay-per-view buys that would do. That might do decent, decently well on pay-per-view, but Bud would tune him up. Listen, you guys have said that read the same news reports that I have, the same reports from Dan Raphael. There are some rumors out there um, that Floyd might be fighting on that December 9th card. I don't think anything is written in stone. And again, this is... I'm only reacting to what is already publicly out there. Uh, there would be, if that's the case, that either could be the last Showtime event or the last Showtime pay-per-view event. But it could be the last event. We, we just don't know. Um, but it certainly is in the running for potentially. I would work it just because it's the last opportunity to work a Showtime event. So no matter who he fights, I would work it, even if he fought someone I didn't really necessarily care about. Um, I don't really know who he's going to fight. I would imagine he would fight some kind of influencer or something. Because Floyd is still obviously still in great shape given his age, and you know he did really he's done really well for himself, but he's much older now and not what he once was. I don't think it makes sense to be fighting any kind of active boxer, particularly even though at 36, anybody like Bud Crawford now in their primes at the right weight class. That's a more interesting question, but right now, no, 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 no. So uh, you know. As far as I'm concerned, the fights that Floyd could have that really mattered, those days are over. All of this is for fun, for folks who care, or if you don't, to just ignore it. Like, it's all, it's just that. But, like, the the truly relevant side of his career, it's been over since the Andre Berto fight. Like, that was the end of that. Um, so, when you ask me, like, do I care? It's like, at this point, I, just being candid, I, I really don't. I don't, have a, I don't have a dog in that fight. What's up, Luke Brandon asks. Uh, I'm currently in pursuit of my master's degree. There you go. Using my uh, uh, VOC rehab portion of my GI Bill, okay? I'm in a podcast and would love to interview if possible. Yeah, just you don't have to you don't have to pay this money, but yeah. Found MK during the pandemic and never left. Yeah, Brandon, just email me, Luke Thomas News, and uh, you know, cite this or whatever, and then let me know. Yeah, I'd be happy to come on. But you don't have, like, guys, I appreciate the donation. Super nice. Very cool. I appreciate it. You don't have to do that for media requests. You don't have to do that, okay? All right. Uh, Volk is rising his very health. He's fighting. Don't know what the fuck that means, but I appreciate the donation. Here we go. From Full Metal Pants. Luke, what is a topic you wish you received more questions about? I, can't, I don't... That's a fucking great question. Um, I don't think there is one. You, I, I've, I've done this for 11 years. I lost about a year. So I've done this for about 10 years. People have asked about everything. <laughs> They've asked about everything. There really isn't some kind of topic that's like very underexplored. If anything, most topics have been overexplored. So it's a good question, but if you've been doing this as long as I have, there's really not much to say that you haven't had a chance to sink your teeth into. I've been very lucky. Uh, I speak on behalf, please know Baus. 
I speak on behalf of the entire live chat. We'll disown you if you lose. Okay, bet to BC. Just kidding. Dude, here's the problem with that. So he's been going in there, and I don't know if he's getting betting help from people, like giving him good advice. I think he is. I think he's doing like, he's looking up like bets that people are making, and then he's putting it in there. Or he's not. I'm making that up. But what he is 100% doing is he's beating me to the punch. What I mean by that is we have a document that we're supposed to fill up. He'll go in there and he'll put his main favorite underguard or underdog uh, fight that's going to go KO or sub, fight that's going to go distance or not the distance. And he'll fill them in first. Remember, except for the main event, we can pick the same main event, right? So if, he, if you both have Volk or we both have Makachev, that's okay. You can do that. But for any other pick, it has to be different. I can't have the same pick as him. So one advantage, and there's like he's not doing anything wrong, but it's just an advantage that he has, is that he's getting the better picks in about like what's available first. So the last like 10, 15 times I've done it, I've gotten in last. And I've kind of had to be like, I've had to pick around what he's picking. And by that point, like, you know, especially on these fight night cards, on the pay-per-views, there's a little bit more to pick up on. But on these fight night cards, man, it's slim fucking pickings. And so he's been like kicking my ass with that. That's what's that has been hurting me big time. Big time that's been killing me. But don't worry, I'm gonna smoke this fucking fool. With Izzy taking a hiatus, how likely is it that we've seen his last middleweight fight? Not likely. He's got at least one more in him. Not likely. I'm gonna say not zero, of course, but not likely. He's got one more. At least one more. Uh, stream where you listen to songs and wrecks from donks. I will tell you, my wife has tried to get me to listen to Spotify and I haven't. And, um, I use, uh, <laughs> that's funny. I use, um, you can see what I've been listening to for workouts, right? This is what I've been listening to for workouts right there. So. A lot of uh, self-titled, a lot of shouts to Psycho Less and self-titled, a lot of Santa Fe Clan, and a lot of Dying Fetus. That is, uh, that's what I've been listening to for my workouts. They're good. It works. It's great. I re highly recommend it. All right. Greg Shu asks, Luke, do you personally have a fuck you number of amount of YouTube subscribers or channel members we can help you hit? to insulate your dependency on the CBS and Showtimes. I'm really not interested in that right now. Now, it may, you know, the future is very unpredictable. If it ever gets to the point where, you know, we have to consider something like that, then we'll talk about it. But I got to be honest with you, it's not, BC and I are not focused on that. CBS has got us, certainly for right now. I, I'll just tell you guys this, I renewed my deal with them in August. Um, full steam ahead. We're trying to make, we're trying to make shows. We're trying to make shows. So I appreciate that. You know, again, who the hell knows what happens in two, three, four, five years? I have no clue. But for right now, uh, and for the foreseeable future, I'm grateful to CBS, and I'm looking forward to making content for them. Thank you for to Sam. Thank you to Patrick. Thank you to Dimmyism. Uh, Anthony asks, UFC 294 pay-per-view buys over under 450K. I'm going to say over. The only thing that really hurts it is, uh, every, well, a couple things. The changes probably don't help, but there are certain ways, of course, where they could boost the profile. 
But the biggest one where there's an issue is that uh, it's in the afternoon. That will diminish the buys a little bit. That will hurt it a little bit. I still think it take. I I take the over. I take the over. It's a big Islam is growing into a very big attraction. Hamzat, I don't even need to tell you how big he's growing, and I think it will do really well. I think it will do very very well. I'm I gotta be honest. Like I'm pretty excited for the fights. We got a lot of coverage coming your way. All right, has the recent stress of all this changed how frequently or tenderly you and BC make out on the RSD couch? I mean, I'd be lying if I said it didn't take a it didn't put a strain on everything, but I think we're we're okay. We're okay. I promise you. I promise you. BC and I have talked about this for hours, for weeks, months. Trust me. Trust me. Okay? Or don't. You don't have to trust me. But what I'm trying to tell you is uh, we are on the same wavelength. I think everyone, I th- man, you know, when you go through a process like this, you got to let it do what it's going to do to everybody. You got to be understanding of that. And then you got to, everyone's got to pick themselves back up and they got to march forward. And that's the part of the journey that we're on. So, you know, don't despair. I'm telling you, don't despair. Thank you to Connor twice. Uh, Carlos says, Animo, Luke. Uh, truly appreciate your work. Saludos from a Mexican donk who loves Colombia and lives in underrated Jersey City. Boys and girls, have you seen the rent in Jersey City? Have you seen the rent? I think the average rent for like even a one bedroom is something like the average. Or maybe it's the median. I forget exactly how they define it. But something along the lines of like over $5,000 a month just to be not even in New York City, just to be next to the motherfucker. <laughs> uh, okay, Nas asks or writes, while the Volk fight is better for pay-per-view, I think there will always be a asterisk over the win. Would Gamrot have looked better on his record in the long run? No. Mm-mm. I think that even a 12-day ready Volk is still a pretty formidable task. Yeah. Thank you to Alexia. I think that's how you pronounce it. I don't know. Uh, Reed asks, what are three rules you would change in the UFC? Uh, one, you can knee a downed opponent in certain circumstances. Um, I would change show and win bonus. And I would add an additional referee, an A referee and a B referee, watching from cage side position, not sitting, elevated, looking over the top. Uh, for all main events and championship fights. Also, isn't it weird that Kamaru wins? He'd be one and two in his last three getting a title shot. Yeah. I mean, he's getting a title shot in a way that's basically otherwise impossible to get. You know. Uh, thanks to Barone for becoming a member. Very helpful. All right. Uh, Henry asks, how well do you remember the Tyson versus Ruddick fights? I remember the second one better than the first. Or Frankie Randall's upset of Julio Cesar Chavez in 1994 and Diego Corrales' war with... Oh, you can watch that on YouTube in 2005. These fights were on Showtime, yeah. Uh, I remember, though, I remember, I mean, explicitly when Tyson rematched Razor Ruddock and my mom wouldn't get the pay-per-view. I couldn't watch it. I had to go to bed. And I woke up the next morning begging her to let me watch the news to see what it was. And uh, she had already seen it. And... uh, Tyson won and broke his jaw. I remember that. I was like, whole. I remember. I remember my Tyson fandom went to like overdrive based on that because I was legitimately worried Razor Ruddock 
was gonna have. I mean, I you know I, I don't I didn't know shit. I thought he was gonna have something for him, and uh, Tyson just crushed him, just fucking crushed him. All right, uh, Seferino asks, "Hey Luke, did you read the Three Jokers yet? Not yet, not yet. I appreciate it though." Uh, Loblaw, if you like your MK, you can keep your MK. <laughs> We're doing the old Obama uh, healthcare plan or doctor plan. Luke, how's your salsa dancing? My salsa dancing is not bad. I've taken a lot of lessons on salsa dancing. Now, again, listen to what I'm telling you. I am not telling you I am good. But here's what I could. This is the level of functionality that I have. I can go to some... Uh, so all the people that live in Colombia, if they're well-to-do, many of the families will have a home that's on the outside of the town that's in a quiet place, like these little... They call them fincas, which really means farm, but... You know, these little, uh, like, country homes that sometimes will have a pool out there. The climate will be different when you leave Bogota, which is very, 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 very high in the mountains. It gets much warmer as you leave. You can literally, like, the temperature in your car will change, like, an hour outside of the city. Like, that's how high it is and how quickly it can change. So they all have these homes. And I remember one time we got invited to one. Some rich family had one. A friend of my wife's family, whatever. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even know who invited us. But they were like, "Hey, we got to go to this party on the weekend." I got drunk as shit. It was this was a long time ago. I got re- it was really fun, and um, they were doing salsa there, and I knew enough salsa to dance there with my wife, with the other Colombian folks around us, and uh, didn't embarrass myself. In fact, got plenty of compliments for you know they grade you on a curve. They're like, you know, for a gringo, that's not bad. I'm like, you know what? I'll take it. I'll take that. I will. I will take that compliment, sir. So that's how good I am. I am good enough to do that. I feel like that's pretty good. I feel. I mean, I'm not great. You're not going to win any awards. You're not going to. You're not going to. You know, I'm not going to put it on social media. It's not good enough for that. But it's good enough to go to family events in a foreign country and fit in. Good enough for that. All right. Someone says, Luke, did you get your briefcase and credence? I don't even know what the fuck that's in reference to, so I'm just going to say no. Uh, Okay, Brendan, thank you for becoming a member. Uh, Reed asks, similar to the last question, but if you could change components of the judging criteria, what changes would you make? Uh, Basically, they've turned grappling into scoring the same way they judge defense. Right? How do they judge defense? No affirmative points. Defense is its own reward. By the time they grade grappling... Uh, unless you get like a submission attempt that's pretty close, which, you know, uh, other than that, but like for positional, it doesn't count. Like what's the benefit of the grappling? Oh, well, you got the opportunity to be on top and get your breath and whatever. But like, there's no, we're not going to grade that for you because you didn't do enough damage, right? You didn't do, you didn't, you didn't pound them out enough. And I just think that that's very, very, very wrong. You don't grade grappling in the way where like the value of it is its own reward you grade grappling by the positional advancement and the holding of it that they can do you don't do that in ways that undercut more effective damage or whatever that their opponent is doing but we also don't just say well either it led to a submission attempt or heavy ground and pound or it didn't because when you do that you're also saying grappling just doesn't really matter because at that point, you're only grading the ground and pound. You're only grading the submission attempt. You are now leaving aside essentially the condition, the conditions that that created it. And I don't think that's correct. I think that's really wrong. Oh, sorry. Ant goes that circus turn has Bulla 
<laughs> is that UFC 294. Don't you just hate that little boring bastard? Hate is a strong word. I don't know Hasbullah in order to hate him. But, boy, his 15 minutes, uh, they, uh, they've been up for a while. They've been up for a while. And all of these fucking people being like, dude, Hasbullah is so cool. I'm like, dude, do you know who you are if you say that? Like, you're the guy that in marketing meetings, they're like, listen, guys. In marketing meetings at some ad agency or whatever, they're like, listen, guys, there's, there's, there's going to be fucking idiots on the internet. We're just going to trot this dude out here. We're just going to send this marketing angle out. And we know that there's going to be a, just a select group of people that buy into it without any discerning thought whatsoever. That's who you are. You're, you're that guy. You're the one that, that ad executives and marketing executives are counting on to be gullible enough to buy into just about any trend congratulations like there's nothing there it's a little guy who just like throws hamburgers in people's faces and you know punches Shaq it's like oh I get it he's really small they're really big he's beating them up haha ha, he couldn't do that normally get it there's no joke there there's like literally no fucking punchline other than you're laughing with them and every time or excuse me you're laughing at them you're laughing at them and every time you accuse them of that like what you're really doing is you're laughing at them you don't think you are you think you're by saying he's cool you think that you're not laughing at him that you're actually promoting him but you're promoting him as some kind of like sideshow attraction and it's based off of the fact that he looks really differently and he has whatever genetic con condition he has that has made him this way Right? You're not actually being like, wow, Hasbulla has like really good fight analysis or he's super, super funny because of the witty things he says. And of course, you can do physical comedy too. And listen, if people are going to pay him money and I was him, I'd probably be doing the same shit, to be honest with you. Like, well, you know, checks are hard to get in this world. If you can get them easy, get them easy. Honestly, I, I, I do mean that. I'm not even mad at the checks he collects. I just can't stand how disingenuous it is to be like dude he's like fucking awesome he's like super funny shut the fuck up dude they could sell fucking you know red bull flavored antifreeze and you'd be the first person in line if they told you it gave you a better buzz than regular red bull right you'd be the first person without any discernment about whether that claim was true without oh this one's green <laughs> drink this red bull that's green it's got antifreeze in it Dude, they, they say that it's so much better than regular Red Bull. Oh, fuck, I got to fucking fuck, you know. That's, that's, that, don't be that guy. Don't be that. Don't be the Red Bull antifreeze guy. Don't be that guy. You know, you don't have to hate Hezbollah. You don't have to call him names. You don't have to, like, be shitty to him. You can be cool to him. Seems like an all right person, I guess. Whatever, I don't really know him. But this whole thing, like, he's so funny. He's so fucking cool. You are the most gullible person and you make the lives of marketing agencies so fucking easy. So fucking easy. There's, I mean, talk about a situation where the emperor has never had fewer clothes. There's no there there. Oh, dude, it's a fucking, he's the funniest thing. Here, drink, drink your antifreeze. Okay, thank you. Uh, what is the worst city in the U.S.? Uh, probably somewhere in Alabama or some shit like that. Mississippi's the poorest state in the union, so probably somewhere in there. The best city in the is New York City. I don't give a fuck what anybody else says. It's New York City. There's some other good cities. There's some other good cities. New Orleans is, uh, but it's New York City. New York City by a country mile.
Would you agree that Marvel's expanding universe, Henry writes, has not had the same effect in the aftermath of Endgame? Guys, I have, I have, I have, I watched the first season of Loki. I liked it. I thought it was good. I haven't watched anything new. I tried to watch the new Ant-Man. Absolutely sucked all the balls imaginable. Just the worst movie ever made. Um, I tr- this isn't you're talking about Marvel, so but I've tried some of the Star Wars stuff on Disney Plus. You know, I heard Andor is good. I like Diego Luna. I do like Diego Luna a lot, but I just guys, I gotta tell you, I don't give a fuck about the Force anymore. And I gotta tell you this, <laughs> I especially don't care about the Rebellion. Like I almost ho- I almost wish that Darth Vader just slashed through everyone with his pink and red fucking lightsaber. Just kill all those motherfuckers. I'm, I'm sick of them, to be honest with you. Like, I'm sick of them, their try-hard attitude. I'm tired. Just kill them all, please. Uh, so, okay, but that's not what you're asking. But, yeah, like, uh, I did see Black Panther 2. I liked it okay. I liked it okay. I thought it was good. Hard, hard movie to make for obvious reasons. Um, but, no, like, the new Thor, Love and Thunder, you guys know how I feel about that. I would have rather just had... I honestly would have rather had the anti-freeze Red Bull than watch that movie again. I mean, just the worst fucking movie of all time. And yeah, they've they've really struggled. They've really struggled. And you would have thought DC would have had, like, this is our chance. But then the Shazam sequel was, like, okay, not great at best. Uh, Black Adam, you know, again, just where's my anti-freeze? They, they just, it's, they really have run out of, like, very good and clean and clear ideas. Like, the entire comic book genre. And also, I finally saw The Flash. Yeah, don't make that mistake. That movie sucks ass. Um, who would have been the 165 and 175 pound goat? I honestly think Kevin Lee would have been champion at 165. I firmly believe that. You can laugh at that if you want. I don't think that's crazy. 175 is probably Tyron Woodley. He would have done really well there. And then after 175, that's a little harder. To, after Woodley, it's a little harder to say. Um, I think Colby could have done well at 165, you know. Um, Darren Till probably could have done well at 175, maybe. Maybe for a little while. Kelvin Gastelum. Some of these tweener names would have been really great. Oh, yeah, we did this one already. With Showtime Boxing being out, do you think Dana will try to fill the spot with UFC Fight Pass? No. You guys, do you think they're going to sign premium boxers to premium deals? The business that they've built is built on the, not just this, but as a core component on the opposite of that. No, 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 no. UFC Fight Pass is not going to be a place where they, at least not for the foreseeable future, where they put on premium boxers in premium fights. No. And pay premium deals for it. Mm -mm. During his prime, why wasn't Prince Nassim Hamid a bigger star in boxing? I was a little bit checked out on boxing at the time. He was him. Did you watch him in his prime? No, I kind of missed big parts of this. This is a better question for BC, unfortunately. Uh, I think in part, you know, he he didn't get famous stateside until a little bit later in his career. Um, and then it all kind of ended relatively abruptly. There was, a, I think, pieces of that going on. There was also obviously a lot of skepticism based on his style. But... Uh, Candidly, I don't have a great answer for you. There are big gaps in my boxing experience that I just can't pretend that they're not there. They're there. Liam asks, uh, what do you think of Chatri's comments about having better strikers? I don't pay any fucking attention to anything he says. 
we do get to see incredible performances in kickboxing and Muay Thai MMA, not really. Most of the people I know who follow kickboxing and Muay Thai more readily don't seem to buy into Chachri's criticisms. They seem to think that they're not based in much. Um, obviously, kickboxing is not exactly my wheelhouse in that way where I can have the same kind of credibility to speak on these matters. But I do have enough credibility in trying to um, talk to Chatri to say you would be wise to really not listen to much other than a formal announcement about, hey, we're going to be you know, in Singapore for this event with this headliner on this day. Short of that, you don't have to listen to a single other thing he says. Like literally the rest of it carries no value and certainly is not believable at face value. Uh, this person asks, Joe has seemed to have done a 180 on his PED stance, especially USADA, as mentioned in the tweets from USADA. I didn't see that. What What is he talking about? Did Did USADA tweet Joe? As mentioned in the tweets from USADA, USADA tweeted Joe? I didn't see that. I'd love to see that. Oh, I'd love to see that. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, I can't comment until I've seen that. Boy, I would love to know. Let me see what that is all about. Joe Rogan. There's more to this? Oh, Joe Rogan wants USADA out of the UFC. Interesting. How the fuck did I miss that? Oh, this was September 28th. Here, let me pull this up. Joe Rogan is not a fan of USADA's involvement in drug testing UFC fighters. A lot has been said, the UFC's partnership. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Let me look at the quotes. Where are the quotes? Quote, there's been a six-month period USADA has to test them randomly, which I think this is the USADA thing's a mistake, Rogan said. I really think they should do that all in-house because USADA does stuff like, well, they don't do it anymore, but they were doing stuff like waking guys up at 6.30 in the morning the day of weigh-ins and testing them. It was effing insane for world title fights, effing insane. Yeah, again, the problems with USADA were extremely identifiable ahead of time. Very easy to find. I'm not blaming this on Joe per se. I'm simply saying I saw Nowitzki and them being like, God, they were really heavy handed. They did this and this. And I'm like, fellas, um, you had to know that was, I mean, you had to know that was coming. You had to know. You crafted a deal with anti-doping zealots that had at its outset virtually no fighter protections. I mean, what did you think was going to happen? Right? They were going to defer in a humane way. You know, that's, 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 that's not what USADA does. USADA doesn't build any athlete's uh, credibility. They only either don't affect it or they negatively affect it. That's it. There's never been an athlete, no matter how many tests they've passed, that you ever thought, like, because they had this USADA jacket or whatever, even or any Olympic athlete, there's never been a single case where you're like, well, because they got the USADA seal of approval... I can trust that they didn't use. Like, that doesn't exist. They're only good for either doing nothing to them or tearing them down at best. They're like the word gringo in Spanish. People will tell you that it could mean good things. That's a lie. It can mean neutral things or it can mean bad things. It never means good things, right? They don't ever use that word being like, I am so happy that they're here. You've never, you've never heard that. All right, I'm not going to get back into that. Uh, okay, Kay says, I just wanted to let you know that I'm also bad at OK Bet. I'm just better than you and your co-host. Again, I'm doing a lot of this 
in a way where I shouldn't be doing it, where he's getting to the document first and leaving me with the fucking nubs left over. But yes, I should be doing better. But I, I, let me just say this. I don't like doing predictions. I'm not really good at them generally. If I had to just pick up or down, I'd probably have a slightly better record, but even then it wouldn't be very distinguished. And I know some people can actually do these things relatively well, but it's most people cannot, even including people like me who watch a lot of fights. Um, it's why I don't do them unless I have to. I really hate it, but um, I think the most fun is just in trying to identify the big things that might matter and then just letting it all play out. That's the only way in which I feel like I can carry any value uh, active BPM writes, I really enjoyed appreciate, uh, well, not everyone does the political analysis. Have you ever considered starting it? Yeah. So I get this request fairly regularly, but, um, I don't know what to do about that. That's actually kind of complicated. There's, there's a, f you can do that kind of stuff, but if you're going to do it, you are sending your career down one particular path, which could be quite lucrative. But it's once you go down that path, there's actually no coming back. And so you have to decide, again, not whether it's a winning or losing formula. It can be a very winning formula, but whether or not you want everything that comes with it. I'm not sure I've made that choice yet. Spurson writes, any shot for an NYC-based live show similar to Beer House episode? You mean for the John Jones fight? I don't know. We can probably do some kind of meetup, but I don't know. I don't know. It's a great question. Luke, do you ever watch one Friday night fights? When I can. I love the violence of standing elbows. I do too. Many nights the undercard is better than the UFC main card. In terms of action, I will say that one delivers. In general, they're very good at it. Or at least they've had been very lucky or their rules foster it, whatever. Is it known why Hamzat switched from All-Star? Not to my knowledge. Um, but, you know... In the Olympics, a lot of these kind of Gulf Arab states, like Bahrain, for example, or Qatar will do it too, they'll pay an athlete, and I think the Emirates do this as well, they'll pay an athlete and they'll fast track their citizenship or nationality to get them to like represent that place. So they could be like, for example, like there's a famous photo, what the fuck is his name? There's a famous photo of a Colombian weightlifter after he secures the lift, he jumps in the air and his feet come up under him. Like he goes flat with his heels like this. And he gets like a gazillion feet in the air. And he was wearing a Columbia singlet. He transferred his, or he changed his nationality to Bahrain because they were just going to pay him a stupid bunch of money to become a national there. And he did it. So perhaps there's something in the works there. Uh, beyond that, I don't know. Uh, Matt says, we love you, Luke. Well, thanks, Matt. Cheering UNBC onto the end of the line. Also, Volk has this in the bag. He might. Stoke for the end of the year fights. Yeah, we'll see. But I appreciate the support. Also, thank you to Brendan. Also, Liam asks again, did Kyrian explain to you why we don't see elbows or teeps as much in MMA? Um, we didn't get that far into the conversation. No. Unfortunately. Uh, elbows, we got to a little bit, but not so much the teeps. Not to, we also got to them, but not in the particular way you're describing. So, that's what I mean. But... It's still 45 minutes, nearly an hour of great conversation. And then last but not least, Lesnar versus DC, but the floor is yellow. Uh, probably Brock. Brock's a sick athlete. I don't know. I don't fucking know. Um, all right, guys, I really appreciate it. You're the best. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for sticking with me. Don't forget, you can support the channel by becoming a member. If there's any polls that need to get sent to me...
Othello, send him over. Let me see here. Do we have any? Just making sure we got... <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, here we go. Who wins this weekend? Volk. Ooh, oh, 51%. Wow, man. Wow, you guys just don't believe in Islam Makachev, but you really believe in Volk. Interesting. Interesting. All right. All right. We will see. We shall see. I appreciate it. Guys, thank you so much for watching. You're the best. This will go up on podcast. Enjoy the fights this weekend. Plenty of coverage coming your way, including on this channel. Stay tuned. Thank you guys so much for watching. Until next time, stay frosty. Yeah? All right.